So today, Bez Hashem, we will finish Simon Kufna Dalad. We are up to Sifta Zvav. Bnei Krach, the people of a town, so you can, you can imagine a small town, Shekhanah Sevatera, they purchased one Sevatera. This one, they made a Tanai, Shemiyetzi Echel Meakrach, Shemesharim, Yitnu Loi Chalkai. That if one person would leave, the other ones will buy him out because they're all chipping in for the Sevatera. That's there was 10 families, $100,000 Sevatera. Each one chips in, uh, pitches in their $10,000. $10, so, when he leaves, he wants to be bought out because I put up significant money and now I'm going to move to a different, uh, to a different town. So if they made this tonight, that would work. Now the problem is there's inflation and the like. And now it went up in value. We go by the original uh, you know, nominal amount and not the value of what he gave. So since he gave 10000 he gets 10000 back, even though now it's worth a lot more. His chalik is worth more than $10,000. We don't care about the inflation and the increase in the value of the item. Mishnah Brewers have got an anzayin, v'hisnu, and they made a t'nai. And if they didn't make a t'nai, if there's no t'nai at all, the town bought a shul, bought a sefer Tyra. You left. You're not part of the town anymore. We don't have to buy you out. We could assume you bought it for this uh, for the town shul. So then the mechaber said you only get what you paid. Not to make another assessment. If you could theoretically. You could debate and you could litigate what exactly they had in mind, even if it's a suffix, we would still say the halach is like this. Because if you think about it, this person who's leaving is the mighty. He'd be a mighty uh, love, so he'd be the mighty here. They are the mochzuk. So, in order for them to now have to go pay more than $10,000, they would need to, he would need to prove to them that they taka owe this money. So, let's see the Mishaburah. Uh, it's, it's ours. Now, according to this, that they are the that there's two things here. There's two reasons why two potential reasons why he's not getting paid back the value of what he originally gave, he only gets back the nominal amount. One of them would be because and the other one would be because we could assume that when you gave the 10000 you expected to get paid 10000 and not the the new you know value based on inflation and based on uh, things going up in price. Now, there's enough community between these two reasons. If it went down in price. Yeah, deflation or, you know, supply-demand change. There's more supply, less demand. So the price of this item went down. So if we say, well, we go by the stam, the stam was to get back whatever you put in, then they would have to give whatever they put in. But if we say it's a suffix, what exactly was meant over here? So then the same ca- same thing, you can say it's a suffix in this case. And since the townspeople are the mochsuk and he's the mitzi, he would actually get the lower of of the two prices. So if he's at Tamazar, and if he loses from Ain Sarhlit and Allah Kesharazal. Now Maya Tnai be named Shmirza who eat and demand Viga Hasevatara. What if part of the Tanai there was an option there for him to buy them out? So then at that point, 
they're not a muhzik anymore on the Sevatar because he has the option, he can exercise that option and buy them out. This is talking about what this is tonight. Uh, uh, creates an obligation, they have to buy him out. So they could say, Bring a raya and take. Let's say him in a house. That each one has has the uh, uh, the option to buy the other one out. So now one partner wants to buy the other one out. So let's say they bought a building many years ago and there was a hundred thousand dollar down payment. Each one put in fifty and they split the responsibilities equally. And now if twenty years later uh, with the appreciation of the building, the equity is worth a million dollars. So he can't buy his partner out for 50 grand. To figure out a fair market value of the real estate right now. Because a tonight, doesn't ruin his You don't really have a schos in the Sefer It was born for the community. You made a tonight, so we allow you. Uh, you know, an in on this, and then that's why we, we go by the original agreement, and we don't worry about the fear market value at this point. So the Mishmaruj is pointing out, don't, don't, don't take this halach and kufnandalad and apply it to chayshem mishpat in typical partnerships and agreements. He had a town, and they had one shul, and like every town in America, you have to have a second shul. So it's a fascinating halacha, you never think this, but halacha is that that they would have to split the Sefer Torah because the community, the Sefer is splitting in half. If you have specific items that an individual donated this family donated this, and we didn't forget about them. He could take it to whichever shul he's going to. So if Mr. Uh, so-and-so is part of the exodus, he could take it with him. Or if uh, he's staying, so he could say, this Savitar is staying right here. We already forgot the name of the donor. Meaning, doesn't mean we, didn't, we don't know. We know that he donated it, but it's Nishtak Hashem Bailov. It's not known in town that uh, that that uh, this is the the Mr. So-and-so Sefer If you look up the records, we can figure out who donated it, but no one calls it this person Sefer So then, in that case, he doesn't have any more say than anyone else, and they have to figure out when they're splitting who gets what, but he doesn't have Kedima. What if things were purchased from the funds that the shul had? You go by people, so the new shul has a hundred and the old shul has a hundred, so then it's 50-50, easy split. But if it's if it's an odd number, so you have to go by people. Because each one originally donated it. They were all part of the original donation of the Sefer Torah. <coughs> and they dedicated it, and now they still have rights. Even though they're they're splitting into two different buildings. Women and children are also part of it, so you don't just go by the amount of men that are 13 and older. You have to take uh, families into consideration as well. So you have to switch off. You can't... Uh, 
can't, you don't have enough, you don't have six Sifrei Taira, you only have one, so you have to split, split it, you have to uh, shear it, and take turns. If you read the uh, history of the Jews, you'll see this was not so uh, infrequent that they didn't have to have to run. They had to run away from town. So let's say Kehila, uh, they had to run away, and one of them took the Svarim with him. Then most of the people came back. The threat subsided. Even though he moved already, and he was the one that originally donated it. Since Reva Kol came back to the original Kehila, even though he himself doesn't want to go back, he's in America now, he doesn't want to go back to Russia, he has to, luckily he'd have to give back so another uh, unfortunate uh, you know, phenomenon that we find in the Jewish history is that in the middle of the year, but we had to leave, that they had a shul and someone bought Galila for the year. He bought the Aliyahs for the, or the like for the year. And then the Melech kicked out the Yehudim. If... By the time he purchased it, it was already known that this was going to happen. Even though they made their hishtat bonus with you know, politics and davening to be mavatal gzerim, kamakam havilei lahasnei. They should have made a tenai when they sold it at the bima. If did not make a tenai, if he himself didn't make the tenai, so then he has to pay because he should have known. He should have taken that into consideration. He cannot say it's a mekachtai. So if he got mehisne, but you know, and she asked like a mishpatei tenai, and even if he wants to make a tenai, he has to make a real tenai. The hanet tenai kodim lemaisim chadoyim the regular tenai kafel and all the conditions we have when it comes to making a tenai. As long as he said, I'm only buying it, if I'm going to actually use it, that's enough. You don't have to make all these, all, have all these rules of Tanoim. Let's say you find something in the courtyard of Basic Nessa or in the shul itself. That in that person is in it. Again, there are rules and regulations regarding Simon and the like. Let's say there was no Simon. And, and, uh, you want to know, was I coined or Hector should be coined because Al-Tzchatzer, Zachsali Sadi. So we say that, that, uh, this is a Lamdash Sugya, not for now. Next, someone who donates something to the shul, a Parechas or a silver crown or the like, and he wants to write his name on it. The Tzibur cannot stop someone from putting his name on the mezuzah, on the Sefer Torah, because this is what we find. The Torah always wrote people's names and was mefarsim oisim mitzvah. The Meshavur points out, quoting the Prima Godim, this is only if the Kehillah wants his nadavah. If they don't want his donations, we say, it's okay, we, we will pass on your donations. You could send it somewhere else. Then he cannot force them to accept it and with his name on it. Next, a fellow built a shuv, and people wanted to, to help out. They wanted to be mishtatif and also wanted to donate money to the shul. And he said, no, absolutely not. I only want uh, exclusive rights of building, of donating, Kadeshi is out of the shame. And that he, him and his children should have a name, that uh, they were mispire, they were. Uh, they were in Gaiva from 
putting their name on the building. And the Sefer Hasidim writes, the Chala Zara and his children were destroyed. They were Chala. They, they did not uh, survive. So a person should not do it. If he's doing it, uh, his spar, the Ramah, in Simon Reishmem Tess in Yerodeus is the same thing, that a person should not be aspired but it's mutter to write your name on it, but you can't do it in a way that it's only, do, you're doing it for cover that a person should not do. And you see, and you see the story from the Sefer Chassidim, Let's say it wasn't the individual himself. He, this person was a Gabit Sadaka and he hired workers or he raised funds and now you built a shul. Don't write this down. Um, this was put together by the, under the auspices, under the, uh, the watch of the Gabai. Someone who did it himself. He, Actually worked with his hands. That's found in the Munashmol. So I saw some of the Achronim argue on this psak, and they say if that's only if a gabai, that's a job to fundraise. So he didn't do anything special. But if someone is not getting paid, or they go above and beyond their job, so then there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to write their names. In fact, Ben Yerna says he's not talking about this case. He says that on the Mishnah on Pirkei Avos that if a person goes and raises money from other people, it's ma'alil of akasav, as if he gave it himself. So, it's also as if he gave it. And therefore, there should be another reason, l'chayr, to argue on this psaq of the Amun whether you could write the name or to, to, to honor people that raise money. In fact, today, the amounts of money that's necessary in many situations, it's not, it's, it's not feasible to get from one person. Very often, it's one person who gives a lot, but he's also inspiring many, many others to give. So perhaps there would be room to argue that we should be honoring them with a plaque or something like that because they were the ones that put together and syndicated this uh, this campaign and were integral in the uh, in the raising of the funds.